Welcome to False Flag Weekly News, the weekly news show that calls it the way we see it. We being people who have pretty much taken that proverbial red pill and don't believe the nonsense in the corporate-controlled mainstream. So if you want somebody to break down the week's news for you, we break it way down. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Dr. E. Michael Jones of Culture Wars. Welcome, Mike. How are you? Thank you, Kevin. Good to be here. Yeah, always good to have you back. We have some good Culture Wars-related stories, among others, today. But first, let's go through the obligatory disclaimers and so on. We question things. Next slide. Some people find that disturbing. Next slide. Uh, and we don't provide medical or mental health services unless you pay us really, really well. Okay, where's our, our headline slide this week? There we are. Speaking of paying us really, really well, we have a breaking news alert. Vladimir Putin says he's going to swap Western Europe and North America with a radioactive tidal wave if our False Flag Weekly News fundraisers continue to fall short of their very modest goal of a measly 200 massively inflated dollars per week. The way things are going, 200 bucks isn't even going to buy me a cup of coffee. So come on, you guys, what do you want? False Flag Weekly News or a radioactive tidal wave? When it's put in those terms, I know you'll make the right choice. So please help us keep staving off disaster. Do your part. Make a donation, no matter how modest, to one of the four or five recent fundraisers that have fallen short. So when I return to the show after my vacation on Saturday, August 13th, I won't be broadcasting from five fathoms deep beneath a radioactive tidal wave. So go to truthjihad.com. Click on the False Flag Weekly News link. And then click again on the headline, False Flag Weekly News, Quadruple Vaccinated Dementia Patient Tests Positive with E. Michael Jones. Well, I don't know if he tested positive with E. Michael Jones, but you know what I'm talking about. So anyway, at the top of the list, you will see links to the fundraisers that need to be saved in order to avert disaster. Okay, that's enough for our PSA. Let's go on to the presidential or demential category. Um Joe Biden, America's foremost quadruple vaccinated dementia patient, tests positive for corona. And uh, what's the story here, Mike? Is 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 does he does, is he gonna is he gonna be saved by all those vaccines or what? Uh, no, he's not going to be saved. The the facts are now in that those who have become uh, who were vaccinated are more likely to come down with some type of problem uh, with uh, further infections. It's obvious now. Now, th this is important, I think, because I, I think what's going to happen is there's going to be another outbreak of COVID in the fall. Uh, people are talking about that now. It turns out that the, this variant is very contagious, but it's uh, not dangerous at all. So and basically what's going to happen is that people are going to get a cold in the fall and then the, the panic machine will go into high gear and uh, we'll try and reinstate the COVID thing again. Uh, and uh, basically as a way of, uh, cover, of of restoring this failed narrative. I don't think it's going to work, but I think that's what's going to happen in the fall. You heard it here first, folks. Uh, frankly, it wouldn't surprise me if you turned out to be right, Mike. So, you know, there's medical misinformation in this associated press story. It says if you... Uh, have not been vaccinated, you are two times more likely to test positive. And that's just not true. Omicron has totally changed the situation. You're actually considerably more likely to test positive if you have been vaccinated, but not boosted. Okay. Anyway, nine, it says you're more, nine times more likely to die 
if you haven't been vaccinated. And that is no longer true either. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, so, and likewise, this story says, quote, scientists say Omicron poses a lower risk for severe illness to those who are up to date on their vaccinations. Well, that's not entirely true either. Uh, it poses, certainly it poses a lower risk for everybody, vaccinated or unvaccinated. And then you have to break it down to get into the details of who's better off than whom. And so let's get into that. Next story, um, Alex Berenson uh, points out that the vaccines no longer are offering long-term protection against serious illness. This is very clear from a long list of studies, most recently this Dutch Ministry of Health study that found that after seven months, vaccinated people in their 50s and 60s had a 68% higher risk of being hospitalized for COVID compared to the unvaccinated. They had a 41% higher risk of needing intensive care and on and on and on. So the vaccines seem to work for a while, but each booster, which if you don't get boosted that you've been vaxxed but not boosted, you end up worse off. You do get boosted. Now that saves you again for a few months. That wears off. You get boosted again. It saves you for a few weeks. That wears off. And ultimately, you end up worse off than if you'd never been vaccinated in the first place. Um, that is, I think, the corrective uh, the fact check for all of this medical in, in, misinformation in the mainstream. And Berenson's doing a pretty good job on this. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, it's the ideal product, isn't it? It, it makes <laughs> yeah. it makes heroin look like a, a, a long shot by comparison. So you, 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 the more you get vaccinated, the more you need vaccinations. And it doesn't protect you anyway. So th th this uh, reveals itself more and more as simply a, a, form, a, a mechanism for control. Evidence of that is a ridiculous story from Germany in which they're saying that uh, the, the mask mandate will come back again in the fall. Well, wait a minute. What's that supposed to mean? How, how do you know that this is going to come back? And, and secondly, even if it does come back, it, the masks don't do anything good anyway. So this looks like an, one more attempt to save a failing regime. Well, they know the masks are coming back because the case numbers are trending up, which means the fatalities will also trend up. And this is because the vaccines are failing. So they know they're going to slap masks back on people. So, yeah, I think you're right. All of your predictions are probably absolutely accurate. Uh, and well, meanwhile, uh, speaking of that quadruple vaccinated dementia patient, Joe Biden is apparently so demented that he doesn't know that he has dementia. He thinks he has cancer instead. Um so what he really meant to say was that Putin has cancer, assuming that the CIA space-based laser cancer weapon actually works as advertised. And, hey, it seemed to work on Hugo Chavez okay. Bottom line, Biden, too demented to know he has dementia. I don't know. Um, you know, so does this mean that when he says, uh, uh, okay, uh, let me just buzz you in and pushes the nuclear button instead of the admit button that, you know, uh-oh, <laughs> that's all she wrote. Don't say we didn't warn you when that happened. So, so Mike, what do you, what do you think of having a, a demented president? Well, this is a, a press agent's uh, ideal situation. So all, all the press, new press agent has to say is he said he had cancer because he has dementia. It solves the problem right there. You killed two <laughs> birds with one stone, except, oh, wait a minute. No, that, that's not going to solve the problem. So uh, the problem cannot be solved here. Uh, this cannot, this problem cannot be resolved internally. Some type of external force is going to have to come up with a solution to this problem. By the way, before I go any further, uh, I can hardly hear you. Whatever you did to your mic before needs to be done again. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm not sure what I, that's uh, better. That's better. Yeah. Whatever you did, it's okay now. I didn't do anything. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, of Biden problems, it looks like the Biden administration is getting served with process papers out of Louisiana and Missouri. That's our next slide. A federal court has granted a request by Missouri and Louisiana to obtain information and documents from top-level Biden officials who are accused of colluding with social media companies to suppress disfavored speakers. And Nina Jankowitz, uh, Tony Fauci, Jen Psaki, and others are getting served. Hmm, that's, uh, that's, that's probably good news. Does this mean that they're going to reinstate me on, uh, on the various platforms I've been thrown off of? including what were they uh the i can't remember these stupid platforms uh but but uh frankly we really obviously need the internet to get decensored do you think that this lawsuit will take us very far in that direction mike it depends on who's in power uh if if uh we can if the republicans come to power are they going to uh, react against this we need some type of sweeping change in the way the internet is run we need, I've said this before, but I think we need a nationalization of the Internet. And as soon as I say that, all the libertarians out there freak out and say, well, you think government? What about government? No. Give, what, give it all to Nina Jankowitz. What I mean is that the Internet should be held to the same standards as the, uh, the uh, laws that we have, which means that the First Amendment should apply to the Internet. Mm-hmm. Right now, we have an anomalous situation in which the Internet is supposedly some private operation, but it has the power of monopoly, which makes it, in effect, the government. If the government, if the Internet tells the government what to do, the Internet is the government. And it's an unelected government that has to be reined in and brought under the rule of law. We had this in the early 20th century when they had trusts. Uh, the trust busters had to come in and basically uh, trim down the power of these private operators, private operations, so that they are subordinate to government because we have the exact opposite right now. Government is now subordinate to these private operators. That's right. The Internet needs to be like the phone company used to be, a public utility. And just as it was illegal to wiretap, it should be illegal to spy on what people do on the Internet for commercial or other purposes. And likewise, just as it was uh, obviously illegal to try to censor what somebody would say on a telephone, it should be illegal to censor what people say on the Internet. The Internet is just a telephone, folks. Right. Right. And you should not. The analogy is if you say something over the phone and that the phone company doesn't like, they cancel your phone. They rip that. That's no one should allow that to happen. The only reason it happens because it's a new technology and no one understood the implications of the new technology. But now we do. And they have to be regulated. They have to be brought under control. They are out of control right now. So let's hope this lawsuit is a step in that direction. Okay, more Biden problems. Uh, GOP investigations. That's right. The Republicans are likely to take Congress this fall, and they're going to investigate a whole bunch of Biden stuff, not just Hunter, but also Afghanistan, um, the causes of inflation, uh, border problems, and most importantly, in my opinion, the origins of the coronavirus. And Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, who I'll be talking about a little bit, is likely to be in charge of that. So it could get really exciting here. If if the Republicans have the backbone to do something yeah. or are they just going to do they like this system uh, is the only problem they have with the system is that they are not in control of it. That that's the big issue. 
Or do we have some sort of far-reaching change where suddenly the government that gets elected actually represents the people who elect them? That is that is the big challenge because basically now you have two arms of the of the oligarchs. We it depend, We can talk about this later. There's a uh, one of the articles you came up that deals with this explicitly. But uh, which arm of the oligarchs is going to run the government? Uh, as long as the oligarchs are running the government, they're they're happy whether it's Democrats or Republicans. So simply a change in political pa- political party is not going to get to the root of the problem, especially if we're talking about a midterm election where uh, the basic even if they take over the Congress, the president. Uh, still has veto power, whatever they do. And, and of course, one of the problems here is that each of these issues they're going to investigate, well, mo- most of these are not issues that they're likely to investigate very well. With Afghanistan, they're likely to investigate, well, why did we leave in a hurry? Well, that's not the issue. The issue is why did we blow up the Twin Towers in order to terrorize the people into committing this atrocious war crime against the people of Afghanistan? And likewise, with um, the with inflation, they're just likely to support usual Republican billionaire economics and the kind of investigation they do there. Uh, border issues, that might be uh, a little better than what the Democrats do. And then finally, COVID origins. Does even Senator Ron Johnson, who has uh, a lot of courage in investigating COVID issues, he have the courage to really go there and show that it was actually Republicans, uh, such as Mike Pompeo, who almost certainly started the pandemic by attacking Wuhan and Com with a bioweapon. I don't know. I talked to Ron Johnson at a picnic last week, immediately after the False Flag Weekly News broadcast, and he he looks like he really wants to get at the truth. So uh, we'll see. Anyway, who knows? But who knows even if there's even going to be an election in the first place? Uh, that was the Matt uh, the Matt Errett article. Uh, and I thought this was a great uh, historical context article pointing out that <laughs> earlier this week, Trump announces he's planning to run in 2024. And then in two days, H.R. 4350, the Defense Authorization Act, passes, giving the president full controls over the military and all domestic operations. So um, Matt Errett smells another Smedley Butler plot, a coup plot to make the U.S. a fascist dictatorship. Anyway, Democrats think Trump wants to be the fascist dictator, and Matt Errett thinks it's more likely the Democrats who would blow up the Constitution. Um, I don't trust either party. (laughs) How about you, Mike? Uh, I I think this article was fatally flawed uh, by the the simple uh, uh, unintelligent use of the word fascist and fascism. It's a cuss word. It means anybody you don't like. Now, to say that... uh, that Wall Street was colluding with fascism. Uh, I, okay, I, I've I've seen I've seen books where that makes a little bit of sense, but the way he uses it, it does not make sense. Fascism was the opposite of Wall Street. Fascism, as we know it, if we take a broader picture here and talk about uh, Mussolini and uh, the rise of corporatism in Italy, that came about because of the. Uh, uh, because of Quadragesimo Anno, the encyclical uh, talking about the failure of capitalism. That's what was driving Europe at this point. If capitalism has failed, well, he's talking about the capitalists. As, I mean, talking about Wall Street, all the people he mentions in Wall Street are suddenly colluding with the people who know that capitalism failed. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's, he's, he's got category problems. That's the problem. And the the root of his category problems is an inability to come up with an accurate definition of what he means by fascism. Okay, but 
the Smedley Butler coup plot, whether you, whether you want to call it fascism or not, involved uh, the J.P. Morgan financiers and other uh, rich American oligarchs plotting to essentially install uh, a dictatorship that would end the constitutional system. And I don't know what you want to call that, but that's the kind of thing that he's concerned concerned that could happen now. If you're talking about uh, uh, Wall Street conniving with somebody like Smedley Butler, sure, they they didn't like Roosevelt. Uh, Roosevelt uh, was a traitor to his class. That that's true. That's the way they perceived him. What happened afterwards is another story. You know, the whole uh, desi- decision on the Roosevelt administration later on to basically get America into the war, uh, the Roosevelt administration's war on America first, uh, the destruction, uh, uh, the choosing Wall Street over Main Street. That's all a different story. OK, but uh, it, it, to call that fascism is simply stupid. It's wrongheaded. You're, you, you're using the wrong word here. Wall Street is capitalism. Capital, fascism was a reaction against capitalism. Unless we get these terms straight, we're not going to make sense of how it's affecting the present. You know, I, I should get you and Matt Arrett on my radio show to hash this out. That might be a fun debate. Uh, so sure. let's, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great. Maybe I'll, I'll check in with him. I'm sure he'd love to do it. Okay, moving on to uh, Trump. We've just looked at all these Biden scandals and issues. Now let's move on to the Trump scandals and issues. There was a breakthrough in the January 6th investigation this week, which isn't saying much because there hasn't been a whole lot of real fancy new stuff. But this week we learned that, you know, even BuzzFlash now has to call itself um, a uh, conspiracy theory site. You know, they begin their article by saying, needless to say, BuzzFlash is not a fan of conspiracy theories. However, and then they get into the deleted Secret Service text from January 5th and 6th and the uh, statement that uh, Mike Pence was going to be absent from the Senate. Senator Charles Grassley, who would have been the top ranking uh, senator, said that uh, he expected that Pence wouldn't be there on January 6th, which would have put uh, Grassley in charge of either certifying or not certifying the election, refusing to accept the electors from the swing states. So maybe there really was some kind of plot to throw the election into the House of Representatives. Now we're actually getting somewhere, instead of blaming these poor demonstrators who went to D.C. with good intentions to protest election fraud, now we're maybe looking at a real plot. What do you think, Mike? No, sorry, I don't I don't think it's there. I think that the whole point of this is now that you've got democratic control of the House, you can impose your categories of the mind on the people of the United States. And the main category of the mind uh, is, is the word insurrection. That's their fiction. That's not what happened there. And this type of grasping at straws here is not going to change the fact that that was that was not coordinated, that the people who came to Washington were not part of a plot. If there's any plot at all, it was a plot to basically let them in. Who let them in? Was the FBI involved in letting these people in uh, so that they could create their own type of false flag operation? So I, I think this is grasping at straws, an attempt to impose a narrative on that uh, a reality, which is a pure fiction. The fiction of the insurrection. I don't think it's there. It's not there. It's not going to fly. 
Yeah, well, I mean, who knows if these reports are true? There's, for instance, the report that, quote, this is from the London Independent, that Mike Pence refused to get in a, in, in a car with the Secret Service during the January 6th riots, and he feared a Secret Service conspiracy. So that reminds me of advice, uh, never get in the car, fight like hell. It's better to die outside fighting than be taken alive inside the car because you'll never be seen again. This is not if the mafia or somebody like that comes after you. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Mike, if, who knows if this is all true? Maybe you're right. Maybe it won't pan out, but at least it's pointing at something like an actual plot. Whereas 90% of the January 6th insurrection stuff is, uh, is smoke and mirrors. Well, another aspect that may be somewhat accurate is Trump wanting to be president again to save himself from criminal probes. I wouldn't blame him if he did. What do you think? Mike? No, I mean, would you like to have Merrick Garland in charge of your future? Uh, no. The, the the Justice Department has been completely and totally politicized by a fanatical group of, of zealots who have no resonance whatsoever with uh, the consciousness of the people that they're supposed to represent. I mean, the classic example of Merrick Garland is calling uh, moms who go to PTA meetings dis- domestic terrorists if they object to homosexual grooming and propaganda from their, from their own school boards. Do we want a man like this in charge of our legal system? No, I can understand why Trump feels the way he does. Okay, what we need is someone's going to enforce the law and not some type of uh, uh, pseudo cheka that is completely politicized and out to destroy anybody who opposes this fanatical agenda. Okay, well, those are the mainstream stories on the January 6th issue. And now we come to the counter-narrative, which just came out yesterday, the premiere of the Epoch Times-related documentary, The Real Story of January 6th, which I actually watched for free yesterday. And now I think people have to pay a few bucks to watch it. And it gets into mostly the issues of the actual demonstrators, the deaths of Ashley Babbitt and Roseanne Boylan, these two women who died and were killed, uh, one could, well, certainly Ashley Babbitt was killed by a cop, uh, almost a point-blank execution headshot, and Roseanne Boyland was essentially apparently killed by cops as well. Um, so this provides a much more sympathetic narrative to the demonstrators, of course, which I think is actually more accurate when it comes to the demonstrations, which, you know, Kat McGuire has been on the show talking about that. She was there, and... Uh, obviously, the vast majority of the demonstrators were well-intentioned, uh, patriotic Americans who believed that the election had been stolen. So I, I thought this was a really good documentary, and it's quite uh, heart-wrenching at times with the interviews of Ashley Babbitt's husband and so on. Yeah, well, why is why was that uh, Ashley Babbitt's killer not brought to justice? Why was that suppressed? Because it didn't fit in with the narrative that they're trying to create, create and impose on reality. This is, this is why, this is why you can't allow people like this to take control of the government. Because if they have the role of, of the power of government, then what they say is automatically true. Except that it's not true. So, yeah, I, I, I didn't go to the demonstration, but I know people who did. And the, what they're telling me was like some type of pro-life rally or people praying that uh, the, the, the election would be restored or something like that. And to turn these people into terrorists is simply a fiction. It's a fiction. It's not going to fly. The only reason it's flown this far is because the Democrats have imposed it on the rest of us 
in, a va- in an attempt to basically say the truth is the opinion of the powerful. That's what we're seeing here. And so this Epoch Times documentary also makes the point that there are all sorts of indications of provocateurs being involved in uh, provoking the crowd into going into the Capitol in the first place, thereby providing an excuse to create this uh, category of the mind called insurrection, which they're hammering us with. And there's certainly a lot of things to investigate there. So anyway, I, I think I think those people were blindsided. What they went there expecting Antifa and they got the exact opposite. They got an FBI plot to lure these people into the Capitol and then charge them with insurrection. Yeah, that looks like a strong possibility. OK, well, moving on to the scamdemics category, Senator Ron Johnson, as I mentioned, says that the whole reason he didn't retire and he's running for re-election again is so he can chair the permanent subcommittee on investigations and get to the bottom of a whole bunch of COVID issues, vaccine fraud, the fraud in Pfizer and Moderna's tests, uh, all sorts of things, and hopefully including the COVID origins issue, which would be the ultimate third rail if he actually went there. So I, I got to meet Ron Johnson and talk for a couple of minutes about this last week, right after False Flag Weekly News. And, you know, for a Republican businessman that I didn't have high hopes for. He's actually turned out to be one of the braver people in American politics. Yeah. So let's see how far it goes. Let's see what happens if the Republicans gain control of the, of both houses. This is, I think, an area where there could be some type of real uh, progress made. Uh, if they could expose this, if he could hold the people who p- impose this uh, accountable for what they did, for the damage that they did, that would be a severe setback for, I think, one of the main instruments of oligarchic control, which is basically big pharma. Big pharma and the use of a worldwide lockdown based on people who have no elected power whatsoever. C- across the world, we are seeing uprisings against uh, governments because everyone is dissatisfied with governments that don't reset, represent the people that they're supposed to represent. And Ron Johnson's political star could rise quite a bit if this uh, vaccine problem that we're seeing, we talked about this earlier uh, with the Alex Berenson articles exposing the fact that the vaccines are essentially being shown to wear off and leave you worse off than you were before and so on. And then there are these issues of the next slide, uh, excess deaths on the rise quite possibly, um, in fact, quite likely related to vaccines. So it may be that Johnson ends up with a lot of political capital when it becomes undeniable that the vaccines turned out to be a disaster. Uh, Merrill Nass's article here certainly suggests that that's the case. And she points out that the diagnostic categories that the coroners put on the death certificates suddenly changed uh, between 1999 and 2015. And it seems like that change was deliberately engineered to obfuscate uh, death categories. So you, once again, U.S. data in particular is just horrible across the board. It's very difficult to find out what's going on with, with COVID issues in, based on U.S. data. Uh, some of the European countries are somewhat better, and that's why we're seeing solid data on the vaccines not working and even providing negative efficacy. And we're seeing uh, a rise in excess deaths not attributable to COVID itself, especially notable among working age people. We're seeing that more clearly in this better European data that's collected by these national health bureaus. So long story short, again, the data is starting to point in the direction of uh, essentially helping Ron Johnson's political career. Yeah, so the question is, can he capitalize on that? Can the Republicans formulate the issue 
uh, in the way that uh, the reformers formulated the issue in the beginning of the 20th century. So instead of big oil, we have big pharma. Is there going to be a politician? This is, uh, uh, as Lenin would say, who was not a Republican, uh, the political power is lying in the streets right now. It, it's going to come down to whether a, a Republican can grasp the, uh, that power by identifying who's responsible and by identifying big pharma in the same way that the progressives at the beginning of the 20th, 20th century identified big oil as a culprit that was uh, had too much power and need to be reined in and tamed so that it could serve the interests of the people rather than vice versa. Well, back then we had real muckracking muckraking journalists, but now you have to look in the alternative media to find any of those um, most of the time. However, in our next slide, we see that mainstream media finally admitted the problems with vaccines relating to menstrual cycles. Half of women uh, experience heavier bleeding during their periods after getting the vaccine. 66% of postmenopausal women experience breakthrough bleeding. 71% of women on long-term contraceptives uh, experience breakthrough bleeding. So, wow, these are huge effects of these vaccines. And it's only been the alternative media that has talked about this up until now. And suddenly it broke into the mainstream. This was Yahoo News by, and the New York Times by way of Yahoo News. So, again, uh, sometimes these things become too big to hide. And let's hope more COVID issues become too big to hide. Well, yeah, one of the things that uh, also happened during this period of time is that uh, Bill Gates transferred $20 billion of his personal wealth into his tax exempt corporation. Uh, what does that tell you? He says, I'm no longer going to be one of the richest men in the world. No, I don't, I don't care. That's, you got the money. How, but now you, someone can't sue you. Well, why would someone want to sue you? Well, because uh, these vaccines are probably what you just said. They're probably uh, population control agents. This is pr the problem. The reason Bill Gates got banned from using vaccines in India and in Africa is because every time he used them there, they sterilized the people that uh, were vaccinated. So this is a really big issue. He's a population controller. His father was a population controller. He's talked about culling the herd. Okay, so someone's got to put these pieces together and say, well, maybe COVID was nothing. Maybe the real bioweapon was the vaccine. And maybe the real purpose of the vaccine was to sterilize uh, hundreds of millions of people in the interest of these these lunatics who want to drive the world's population down to 500 million people. And speaking of lunatics, Mike, how about the New York Times journalist who writes that uh, until now, uh, research on COVID and menstruation has focused primarily on cisgender women who menstruate. <laughs> okay, uh, if you want to study COVID and menstruation, you probably do want to study cisgender women who menstruate. Anyway, uh, here's our next story on monkeypox. The urgent monkeypox alert is, uh, the, the, the question is, should public health officials be encouraging gay men to temporarily change their behavior instead of, you know, maybe not visit the bathhouse and have sex with uh, dozens of people every night? They should only do that every other night. Um, Mike, do you think that's good health advice? Yes, but look, we, we've been down this road before. We went down this road with AIDS. The man who AIDS is the uh, the the disease, if you want to call it that, that made. Uh, Dr. Fauci, a household word. The, 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 you, you're confronted here with two imperatives. Okay. We want biological control, but we also want sexual liberation. So wait a minute. Uh, the homosexual, 
uh, it provides a contradiction here because his activity is obviously producing disease. It did it in the bathhouses of San Francisco in the 1970s and 80s. That's exactly what it's doing now. Okay, so the, 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 the solution back then was to turn AIDS, which was a lifestyle disease based on what homosexuals did to each other, into a virus. And Margaret Heckler did that in 1984. There was going to be a cure for the virus and so on and so forth. And Fauci jumped on this. He saw a moment of opportunity because the homosexuals at that point were calling for the use of AZT which is a completely toxic substance that was supposed to be used as chemotherapy. And Fauci said, okay, they want AZT, I'll give them AZT. And it killed off innumerable, innumerable homosexuals. Yeah, probably the only thing survived. worse than that kind of lifestyle is, is taking AZT on top of it. AZT. And so what you're seeing here is this intersection of two clashing political imperatives that cannot be resolved. Indeed. Okay, well... Uh, they'll never uh, shut down the bathhouses. They, they'll shut down the churches and they'll shut down the mom and pop stores, but they won't shut down the bathhouses and the Walmarts because we know what's sacred in this culture. Uh, well, let's move on to a different culture. How about the, the Russian culture, uh, the war on Russia? Um, and it seems that one of the reasons that we're supposed to make war on Russia is to, just like we had to liberate Afghanistan, uh, liberate the women of Afghanistan by killing their men, uh, we're going to have to liberate the women of Russia by forcing their men to dress up as women. Uh, and the Russians don't appreciate that, nor do they appreciate threats from Ukraine and its NATO hackers to attack Crimea. Uh, so here we have Deputy Chairman of the Russian Security Council, Dmitry Medvedev, saying that, try that, and it's doomsday. Uh, you think that's a credible doomsday threat, Mike? I think the doomsday threat is from the from the other side. The, the, the Ukrainians are losing the war. OK, they're losing badly. And when they start losing badly, these, these lunatics are capable of anything. So another scenario that is being propped up now is that uh, Russia is going to attack the nuclear plant in Zaporozhye. Uh, that's the biggest nuclear plant in Europe. I think what, what they're really saying is that when Ukrainians get really desperate, they may blow up their own nuclear plant because Zelensky is willing to uh, fight the Russians to the last drop of Ukrainian blood before he hops on a plane and flies to his uh, mansion in Miami Beach. That, that's the real danger right now. That's the real danger. Yeah, yeah. A big, big false flag, right? Right. And, uh, well, the next story is a rhetorical question. How corrupt is Ukrainian President Zelensky? Well, that's rhetorical, man. We know how corrupt he is because he's owned by a Kolomoisky, who was uh, charged with a $5.5 billion embezzlement scheme. He laundered millions across the United States and the Midwest, especially. Uh, Cleveland was the epicenter. Uh, he steered one of the biggest Ponzi schemes in world history. And the same Kolomoisky who, who owns Zelensky also owns the Azov Nazi thugs and lots of other armies of thugs. And he's paying off Biden through Hunter. Um, Burisma is a Kolomoisky mob, mobbed up company with Kofor Black on its board. Kofor Black was the CIA uh, director of counterterrorism on September 11th. So he's a 9-11 perp, or at least a top level suspect. These are the kind of people who brought us this war on Russia through Ukraine. Yeah, but let's not leave out the other part of the equation. Victoria Nuland, uh, the Kagan family. 
uh, all of those people. Wait a minute. They're part of the same group, aren't they? The group that we're not allowed to mention, uh, whose animus against Russia is driving this war. They Wait a minute, you're, you're, not saying, you're not saying that the people behind this war are disproportionately Jewish, are you? Now, would I ever say something like that? No, I am saying that. And I'm saying unless we start talking about these interconnections, we're not going to know how to deal with the issue. That's the problem here. We've got we've got this silence. The silence breaks down. So you can tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is, is Kolomoisky a Democrat or a Republican? This he's is bought, it, it, a, a better a better question. Is he black or white? The, 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 these are the dichotomies that we are that are proposed to us as the the way to explain what is going is, on. Is he cisgender or gender fluid? There's another one. Okay, we're always being given these f- categories of the mind that will completely obscure the reality of what is going on because we're not allowed to use a category of reality, uh, which is the word Jew. This is a Jewish conspiracy. Don't take it from me. Don't take it from me. Take it from Jeffrey Sachs. Just wrote an article in Tikkun magazine saying that these Jews, he calls them, he's a Jew himself. He calls them neoconservatives, but they have led us into one war after another. And the Ukraine is only the latest example of that. Right. Yeah. Neoconservative, it's it's a massively disproportionately Jewish school of thought. And God bless people like Jeffrey Sachs, whatever their ethnicity, who are exposing those those evil neocons. Um, so, okay, so we're going to march into Russia to save the women by forcing everybody to become transgender or whatever it is. Uh, Americans just can't wait to go fight for Ukraine, right? Well, maybe not so fast. It turns out that the military is way behind on its recruitment goals. They're only at 40% of the September goal. Uh, and this hilarious article, uh, was this another New York Times yeah, article where the, the recruiter is just desperately trying to strong arm, you know, anybody that can, you know, hop on one leg uh, and, you know, count up to three uh, <laughs> and getting blown off uh, by people, you know, hanging up on him as he pesters them. Uh, it's it's sad. It's kind of hilarious. And it also indicates that I don't think the U.S. is in a real good position here to try to win World War Three in Ukraine or anywhere else for that matter. I, I have to claim credit for this. Uh, I did. Okay. I did. I did. I did I, in one of my podcasts, I said, are you willing to die for the gay disco? That's a great slogan. I want that bumper. Sticker. OK, someone else thought it was a great, great slogan. So about three people turned it into a hip hop song. Oh, no, I didn't know that. Or a techno. Yeah, you can find it. It's on the it's on the Internet. But basically, there I am, the techno star. And I'm repeating over and over again. Are you willing to die for the gay disco? I bet they play that song a lot in the gay discos. I, <laughs> wherever they play it, I, uh, one of these, I've come to the conclusion, if, if it gets out into the ether some way, it's going to perpetrate, penetrate people's uh, consciousness. And I think this is what happened. What is happening? The kids have decided, no, I'm not going to die for the gay disco. It's that really simple. Who, who, who was? Uh, those poor, those poor mercenaries are probably going to get their wish. Uh, because they may be lined up against the wall and shot as mercenaries. They're not going to have the Geneva Conventions to back them up because they volunteered to die for the gay disco. I asked that in a debate with Greg Johnson, who is a white boy who was enthralled because the, uh, the Azov Brigade are using all these Nazi insignias. And I said, Greg, are, have you booked your ticket to Kiev yet? Are you willing to die for the gay disco? Well, he's not.
Well, if, if Kolomoisky's thugs blow up a nuclear plant and blame it on Russia, maybe everybody in America will line up to die for the gay disco? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe we're also uh, putting that false flag meme into enough circulation that they can't get away with that. Let's hope so. Um, well, so more Ukraine war news is the Russian gas versus the renewables issue. Uh, Europe's going to find out what it's like to try to live entirely on renewables this winter. It might be a little chilly. Um, Ukraine has been closing pipelines. Uh, Poland has been stealing Russian gas and marking it up. Canada won't release its turbines. And Vladimir Putin, speaking extemporaneously, uh, is masterful on all of this. I mean, you know, I know people, there are some people who don't like me saying anything nice about Putin, but he's obviously more intelligent and competent than any Western leaders. Yes. Yes. The, the crucial, the crucial country here is Germany at this point. You have, uh, you have a, an incredible situation in Germany where the German people, the German government is now going to implement the Morgenthau plan, which was basically to deindustrialize Germany. That was the Jew who was the Roosevelt's financial, uh, uh finance minister. So what, what do we call him? Secretary of Treasury. Okay, the Morgenthau plan uh, was repudiated by the adults because we had adults in the room at that point, and they called it uh, a Semitic vengeance against Germany, and it was replaced by the Marshall Plan. Now the Germans are imposing it on themselves. Someone's got to stand up in Germany. Where is Gerhard Schroeder when we need him? He was the SPD uh, prime minister who went to work for Gazprom after the um, after he uh, left office. He's responsible for the building of Nord Stream 2. Where is he when we need him? Or what we seem to have in Germany is a suicide cult, a suicide cult that is ta has taken over the country and wants to implement the Morgenthau plan. The, the best analogy I could give is uh, in Untergang, uh, downfall, where the soldiers are trying to escape. The SS captures the soldier and put, line him up against the wall. And right before they shoot him, the soldier says, Heil Hitler. This is what Germany is doing right now. They're committing collective suicide because they're not rational about uh, their policy with Russia. So the Morgenthau plan is morphed into the Newland plan. Um, so Germany's in trouble uh, unless they kowtow to Russia and, and basically go back to what they were doing before the idiotic war. Wait, which wait a minute. Don't, do. don't use words like kowtow. Talk about being rational. They're kowtowing to I the know. Americans. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I, I, was, I was actually intending to be ironic because but this is, of course, the way it's going to be presented in the mainstream media. But at some point, the Germans are going to have to do the obvious. Um, well, speaking of renewables. Uh, the U.S. is said to be getting 25% of its electricity now from renewables. Of course, the problem is how much of that is from biomass, which is really the dirtiest, most environmentally destructive form of energy, and they count it as renewables. But anyway, I guess it's good to have all that wind and solar. However, when the clouds come out and when the wind dies down, you can have some issues on your grid. Anyway, I guess this is good news. Is it good news? At, at the same time, we have people, we, we had a, a, a ferociously uh, energy wasteful system imposed on us after World War II with the interstate highway system. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a big, simply because they had the political power, because they had, because they were the arsenal for democracy. And they destroyed rail travel. And they destroyed rail travel. If we could go back, if I had a time machine, I would go back to 1946. And I say, okay, what we're going to do is combine the bicycle with the train. And we could have done it. 
The, the Dutch did it in 1973. That is real uh, sustainable transportation energy consumption. When the oil crisis hit, uh, I was there in, in Germany in 1973. When it hit Holland, the people of my generation said, no, we're not going to break up the cities. They still had intact medieval cities in Holland. They simply put the bicycle, uh, connecting bicycle to rail, and they solved their energy problem. They've solved it to this day. Okay, Holland is just click on bicycle and any Dutch city, Amsterdam, and you'll see exactly how they solved it. We have had this imposed on us, okay, and now we have geniuses like uh, uh, our illustrious gay mayor, Pete Buttigieg, who are simply going to solve the problem with electric cars. No, it's a bad system to begin with. It's a wasteful, stupid system to begin with. I don't know whether you can put this toothpaste back in the tube now. You've got so many sprawling communities, so disconnected, so sparsely populated, there may not be a solution in the foreseeable future. In my uh, occasional Truth Jihad radio guest, Kunstler, uh, Jim Kunstler, has written brilliantly about this topic and others. Uh, I'll have to bring him back on, I think, to talk about it. So uh, let's move on to more uh, losses for the empire of good. Uh, that would be us, of course. Um, we're losing in Ukraine. Uh, we already lost in Afghanistan uh, horrifically and embarrassingly lost in Iraq, lost in Syria to the Russians, of all people. And now we're losing in Iran and in Pakistan. This week, uh, Putin and the supreme leader of uh, Iran, Ayatollah Khamenei, got together to discuss how the U.S. dollar needs to be taken out of world trade. Um, and Iran says Russia had no choice in Ukraine. They're agreed on peace in Syria. They're able to work with the Turks. We don't need the U.S. empire to police the world anymore. And then over in Pakistan next door, um, Imran Khan, who was overthrown in the CIA coup, is on the way back. He's racking, got won 15 out of 20 seats in enemy territory in the Punjab, which means he's a shoo-in to come back if the CIA doesn't kill him. So he had better stay out of small plates. Yeah, I mean, this is just part of the tragedy of, of human history. You can go all the way back to... 1953, when the Iranians, 50, let's say 1950, when the Iranians are fighting with British Petroleum, trying to get them out, the United States could have offered them the same deal they offered the Saudis. Uh, uh, maybe it was complicated by Iranian nationalism at that point. But instead, they do a, the CIA coup. They side with the British. Once again, this stupid uh, alliance of oligarchs. Uh, and they blew an opportunity. They blew an opportunity with Russia. Okay, where after the goodwill the Russians showed, and what do they do? They expand NATO all the way up to the Ukraine, and then they provoke a, a, a war. They could the same thing, the same tragedy we're seeing here. This is the inexorable law of uh, Mackinder in action here, where the American uh, stupid American foreign policy is bringing back the exact opposite of what they intend. They drove the Russians into the arms of the uh, Iranians and vice versa. Iran always had an antipathy against Russia because Russia occupied the northern half of their country. It was a, a continued existential threat to Iranian independence. And now they've kissed and made up. Now uh, uh, Russia is going to collaborate with the development of Iranian gas fields. And they're going to pump all that gas to India. And, and Pakistan's going to be on board with them when Imran Khan gets back angrier at the Americans than ever. 
Yeah. So you're bring, when when are when are they going to wake up to the fact that you can't let people who have uh, uh, relatives who died in the Holocaust running your foreign policy? As soon as they start saying that, they prove that they're irrational and you can't talk to them. And when you can't talk to them, uh, uh, guess what? The people stop talking to you and they talk to someone you, they can talk to. And that's precisely the fruit, the bitter fruit of this bipartisan policy of demonizing Iran. I, the real issue is Russia. Why did Russia go along with this Western propaganda for so long? Why did it take the Ukraine war to have them wake up to the fact that, well, maybe, maybe the Iranians aren't the villains that the West is saying? It took long enough, but that's, that's what happened here. And who can be surprised? Well, Russia has been giving Iran low-key support for quite a while, and so now they're, maybe it's not so low-key anymore. But you're right about the people with uh, relatives who died in the Holocaust. Running foreign policy seems to lead to these disastrous wars over and over and over. And speaking of people who have relatives who died in the Holocaust, how about these thugs at the JDL, the so-called Jewish Defense League? They murdered Alex Ode in 1985. Everybody knows that uh, Ruben, Irv Rubin, the commander of the JDL terrorist militia, did it. And now we've got a convict in California, Moshi V, a longtime Ruben associate, willing to testify that Ruben has bragged about killing Ode. Uh, now, these killers, the actual assassins, are now Bibi Netanyahu's protégés in the Israeli parliament. This could turn into a bit of a scandal if anybody has the courage to investigate it. But they probably don't because these people, these terrorists, uh, rule the United States. Well, wait a minute. You mean Merrick Garland is not going to prosecute these people? Shocking, isn't it? Uh, what, what, he's the attorney general. I'm sure he'll prosecute. No, this is the problem here. But this this ethnic solidarity here uh, is is a, 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 a fifth column within the United States of America that is corrupting the uh, the justice, the, the Justice Department. It's it's the Justice Department is run for the interest of a few fanatics who don't have American interest in mind. So, of course, these people are not going to be prosecuted. Why would they? They're the same group of people. These fanatics have all kinds of blood on their hands. And so do most of the members of Congress. In our next slide, we see 180 Democrats and 149 Republicans just voted for a world's record military spending bill, a $58 billion military spending hike. Uh, interesting, the Democrats are even voting more for this than the Republicans are. Uh, so as we go more and more broken, bankrupt, printing money that we don't have to send off uh, to Kolomoisky and his friends and wherever else we're throwing all this military money that's not buying us any military victories, uh, the infrastructure falls apart, the economy falls apart, and ultimately everything falls apart. And once again, yeah, Mike, I think the people uh, who are running the show here are corrupt and incompetent and a lot of other things. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point here. What does it mean to appropriate uh, money for military spending? It means that the money will go to the military industrial complex, who will then send uh, something over to the Ukraine, uh, where corrupt generals will sell it to uh, the Russians so they can reverse engineer it and skim some money off the top there. Uh, but even on the best of circumstances, that gets blown up. Uh, and it's not all it's doing is prolonging a war that is going to get more and more Ukrainians killed. That's the whole process. And then it goes right back to the industrial mil, military industrial complex, who then can use their money, little, skim a little bit off the top to buy off the politicians to recycle the money again. Mm -hmm. Sort of like Corrupt the, uh, the, 
the aid to Israel comes back in the form of bribes for the congressmen who vote for the aid to Israel. It works real well. Um, but let's move on to the culture wars issues. Uh, that's, of course, your magazine, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a very wonderful magazine, highly recommended. People should subscribe to culturewars.com. And here's our first culture wars story. Um, women are seeking sterilization since Roe. Is that a bad thing? Instead of uh, killing their unborn babies, they're being sterilized and not having babies? I don't know. Uh, what do you think as, as a Catholic theologian? What's your take on this one? I think this is a hysterical piece of uh, anti-Roe uh, propaganda. Uh, it unleashed enormous waves of anti-abortion hysteria. I'm sorry, anti-Roe hysteria in the wake of the, the decision. It's the end of the world as we know it. If you're a liberated lady who believes that the only freedom you have is the ability to murder your child or neuter yourself. So first of all, I don't believe it. And secondly, I think that what's happening here is that a crucial, a crucial pillar under uh, supporting Jewish hegemony over our culture has collapsed. And that's why we're having hysterical reactions. It's like this. But the most hysterical reaction is Jews now saying that abortion is a fundamental Jewish right. And a sacrament. That's my term. Okay, thank you. I said it. Uh, Only Catholics have sacraments. But you know what I'm getting at here. And secondly, that if you if you limit abortion, you will be preventing Jews from practicing their religion. There is a rabbi who has launched a court case in uh, Florida precisely on these terms. This, again, is the cunning of reason. This is God intervening in human history because this is the absolute worst thing these people could say. But, but Mike, wait a minute. I, th- I thought each Jew- Jewish holiday was was the same. It was uh, they tried to kill us. We won. Let's eat. It's not they tried to kill us. We won. Let's abort. So how, <laughs> how can this be a Jewish religious practice? Because the people we call Jews uh, are the rem- are the remnant that go back to the, who the people in the Old Testament who could never follow God's covenant, the covenant that God made with them, and always fell into the practice of the worship of alien gods. And one of the alien gods they worship was Moloch. And the way you worship Moloch is sacrificing your children to them. This this is the continuity that is suddenly becoming clear solely because of the Jewish overreaction to Roe versus, the overturn of Roe versus Wade. And I thought the whole point of the story of Abraham not sacrificing his son was that there's not supposed to be any more child sacrifice. But, hey, what did I know? Anyway, uh, next culture war story. An untrained civilian with a handgun, unlike hundreds of heavily armed and equipped cops in Uvalde, has stopped a mass shooting. Three dead in an Indiana mall. Uh, the shooter, a guy named Jonathan Sapperman, uh, got taken down by Elisha Dickin, who somehow had a handgun. No training whatsoever, no military, no police training, nothing. But he managed to stop this guy when hundreds of heavily armed and protected cops in Uvalde sat there for 77 minutes while the killer was shooting kids in the school. Um, I don't understand this. Maybe we need to send unarmed, untrained civilians. One, one guy with a handgun should stop the mass shootings. Forget the cops. Who needs cops? Well, that's pro- that's exactly what is problematic with this story. So it's classic Fox News, uh, classic uh, NRA propaganda here. You know, they're calling this guy a hero. Uh, where, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Remember uh, St. Louis? Remember when that, that couple stood outside their house with guns? Well, that did, they, they weren't called heroes here. This is all purely subjective. Yeah, but but all- those, those, those guys in St. Louis weren't killing people, were they? 
No, this is why we do we want people. Do we really want to abolish the police force? Do we want to cripple the police force so that they can't intervene? Do we all want to be at, go back to the old West where everybody has to walk around with a gun strapped to their well, Maybe leg? we need police who are capable of not just sitting there in the hallway for 77 minutes and letting a shooter kill kids. That's right. And we have to investigate. Why is that? Was that the, was that one of the, uh, outcomes of, uh, the George Floyd thing where police were demonized for something that they should have been, shouldn't have been demonized for? I think we have to look at the bigger picture here. I'm not sure this is a, a, a happy story here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure we want a world where everybody has to wear a gun before they can go to the mall. Right. With, with daily mass shootings. Uh, yeah, I don't think we want that world either. There's got to be a way to, to get out of that world. Um, and if you find it, tell me. <laughs> so, moving on to more culture war stories. How about the issue of gender denial? I think that's what we should call it, right? Denial is a, is a happy meme, right? It seems to work for certain other groups. So let's call it gender denial. There's people who don't believe there's such a thing as like male and female. Um, so here is a story from the spectator about the Russians taunting America to, Hey, keep it going. After on Bastille day in France, there was this photo op with assistant health secretary, Rachel Levine, who I think is a man who pretends to be a woman and, uh, non-binary, whatever that means, deputy assistant nuclear energy secretary, Sam Brinton. Uh, the Russians seem to think that this is pretty good anti-American propaganda that the Americans are, are cranking out. And even the French, don't seem to think that's a great way to celebrate Bastille Day. No. What, what, what's the message? Do you really know the message you're conveying when you do this kind of thing? Is it really, uh, it's similar to Roe versus Wade, where you're denying reality. That fat Jew calls himself a woman. Do you have to call himself a woman? This is really good propaganda for Russia, and Russia is standing up against the gay disco. So, yeah, he's absolutely right. This is completely counterproductive. And the NCAA is kicking in by nominating a man who won all the women's swimming meets uh, to be nominated as Woman of the Year. But we're, we're a little behind on the story, so we'll move on to the next one. We've, uh, we've covered that particular culture wars issue pretty well here. How about the inequality issues? So Russia has terrible inequality. 500 super rich are wealthier than the poorest 99.8%. That's pretty bad. Um, and then in the next slide, we see that over in China, it's really bad too. In China, 1% of the top earners uh, earn more than the bottom 50%. But in America, <laughs> next slide, uh, let's compare that to China. Okay, in America, three guys, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett, have more wealth than the bottom 50%. So in China, the 1% that has more wealth than the bottom 50% is more than 10 million Chinese people. So more, it's a, they have a terrible problem in China because more than 10 million rich Chinese people own more than the bottom 50%. In the U.S., three guys own more than the bottom 50%. So tell me, which is worse, the U.S. or China? Yeah, obviously, we have a big problem here. Uh, when you get that much wealth concentrated in so few hands, the first thing these people want to buy up is government officials. And that's why we don't have the rule of law. I, I mean, representative government here. Uh, the problem I had with uh, this guy Hartman's uh, article is it seems that he's only concerned about which uh, uh, billionaires. Well, that, that's, that's the next slide, I think, right? The Hartman article, uh, the 27 men who run America. He thinks yeah. they're all uh, Republican billionaires. He says 27 billionaires basically own the Republican Party. So, Mark, so Mike, how many billionaires do you think own the Democratic Party? <laughs> 
Yeah, first of all, it's three billionaires. But anyway, it, it seems to me the gist of his article is that it would be okay if George Soros and that, that group of billionaires ran the government as opposed to the Republicans. Well, wait a minute. What about the people of the United States of America? What are we doing? One of the smartest things I ever heard a politician say was when uh, the re- Democrat here, uh, who was the head of the House, state house in Indiana, said, uh, all we have to do is ban political advertising on TV. Uh, we ban cigarette advertisement. That, that's the money machine right there. If the people were all political advertisement were banned, the people, the politicians would have to meet with the actual people. And we would cut out the middleman, and that is the main lever that Jewish uh, billionaires like Soros use to control our country. Soros prosecutors, uh, one of the biggest problems in America right now. When Newt Gingrich brought it up on Fox News, he was told he wasn't allowed to mention the word Soros. Well, thanks, Fox. (laughs) Here, even Newt, Mr. Conservative, hadn't gotten the memo from Fox News. This is the problem, not switching from uh, Republican oligarchs to Democratic oligarchs, as if that's going to solve anything. Well, hey, I like your idea of banning political ads. And, you know, here at False Flight Weekly News, we try to emphasize solutions to America's pressing problems. So do we have a solution for you for our last story here, folks? Um, there is a distillery that is fighting invasive crabs by turning them into whiskey. Uh, this could solve all of America's problems, though, frankly, I think we might be better off by taking all of America's whiskey and turning it into crabs. Because after all, if God, God invented whiskey to prevent the Irish from ruling the world, it can't be doing Americans much good either. Um, yes. Allahu Akbar! Whiskey into crabs! That's my solution. What's yeah, your final well, solution? <laughs> work is the curse of the drinking class. That's, that's the way I was raised. Um, but, uh, yes, uh, the, this is a solution uh, because all problems are basically mental problems. And even if the crabs still are proliferating uh, as they are, uh, if you drink the whiskey, you'll forget about it and you'll feel good about yourself. Okay. Well, I'm not drinking any crab whiskey. Uh, that is utterly and completely haram. But I'm not going to impose my values on everybody out there. That's up to you to think critically. That's what we try to get you to do by going over all the weekly news stories from a highly critical perspective. Well, thank you, Dr. E. Michael Jones. It's great doing the show with you. Keep up the good work and God bless. Thank you, Kevin. Okay. Thank you to our viewers and supporters. Hope to see you back in the middle of August. Uh, Remember, help us catch up with those fundraisers and um, we'll see you then.